It's fairly common these days to hear people talk about toxic thought patterns living deep inside our brains. Dr. Caroline Leaf has contributed some tremendous resources to combat toxic thoughts, starting with her amazing book, Switch On Your Brain, and even her newest book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. Of course, the idea isn't anything new. Back in the late 90s, I worked some with an author named Liberty Savard who talked about breaking the power of, quote, unmet needs, unhealed hurts, and unresolved issues. And going back nearly 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul, in his second letter to the believers in Corinth, wrote about mental strongholds, arguments, and presumptions that must be torn down because they stand against the knowledge of God. But what I don't hear people talking about is the role that music can play in both creating and combating toxic strongholds. And when you stop to think about it, that may be one of the most overlooked mistakes we make in regards to our mental health and stability. Why do I say this? Because music plays such a prominent role in most of our lives every single day. Some people listen to music from early morning until late at night. But have you ever stopped to think about what actually happens in your brain when you listen to or think about your favorite songs? Probably not. Not very many people have. In fact, according to the Journal of Neuroscience, understanding how the brain analyzes, stores, and retrieves music remains one of the most challenging problems in neuroscience. The way the brain makes sense of music is so complicated, in fact, that no one really knows exactly how it all works. But what we do know, according to research, is that our brains have a remarkable ability to make, store, and retrieve memories of music. For example, if you hear a catchy song, you will probably be able to remember parts of it even a few days later. After hearing it several times, you might even know it by heart. In fact, you should try this little experiment after you finish listening to this podcast. Open up your music library, pick any song, and play the first three seconds of it. Give yourself one point if you can manage to sing or hum at least the next five seconds of that song from memory only. Do this for at least 20 songs and then keep track of how many points you score. Your score is probably going to be pretty high. If so, just think about what you will have accomplished. Chances are you will be able to effortlessly recall the pitch, rhythm, and maybe even the lyrics of all those songs in just a short amount of time. That is a lot of data to be able to instantly call up from memory. Now, compare that to how much more effort it takes to learn information from a textbook or even to remember the details of your day-to-day events. Our musical memory is really astounding. I use the phrase musical memory because researchers theorize that musical memory is at least partly independent from other types of memory, other forms of memory. Using brain scans, researchers have found a very specific area of the brain that is active when we listen to music that we know. In fact, it was so consistent that a computer could actually predict whether a particular song was well-known, recently known, or unknown by someone just by analyzing the patterns of brain activity in specific regions. But here's the really crazy part. The musical memory area is actually resistant to degenerative brain diseases that cause memory loss, such as Alzheimer's disease. People with short-term memory loss may not be able to remember who they are or who family members are or anything about their current lives, but somehow they can still perfectly remember familiar songs. That's amazing and really powerful. 
Neuroscience researchers Alexander Lamont and Catherine Loveday say that once formed, memories for music are incredibly strong and have the ability to provide powerful cues for what's called autobiographical remembering. That's just a fancy way of saying it's the memory records we keep of our lives. In other words, your story and mine is irreversibly linked to music. We literally have our own personalized soundtrack and life script stored in our brains. Researchers say that these musical memories play a profound part in our sense of self, in the way we view our future, and in the relationships that we have with others. And that's for better or worse. Years ago, I noticed, like I'm sure you have, that my favorite music and musical memories all seem to be tied first and foremost to a very specific stage of my life, from around 12 years old up to my mid-20s. Now, this is not just a coincidence. In fact, it even has an official name, the reminiscence bump. And it happens during a critical time in each of our lives when psychologists say that we're developing our sense of self and our sense of identity. Part of the powerful memorability of music is because of how often we listen to a song or an artist, but there's a whole lot more to it than mere repetition. When it comes to the reminiscence bump, we're also talking about adding a virtual smorgasbord of increased hormones during our teen and 20-something years. It's no wonder songs get burned into the very core of our being. Brain imaging studies show that our favorite songs stimulate the brain's pleasure circuit, which releases an influx of dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and other neurochemicals that just make us feel good. So the more we like a song, the more we get treated to these neurotransmitters. Harvard researchers say the music we listen to, especially as adolescents, literally changes our brain structure and function, our neural pathways, both after immediate and repeated exposure, and even influences our preferences in the future. It's not uncommon at all to hear someone say that a particular song or an album became the, quote, mantra for their life, or that it somehow changed the course of their lives. All this info should make at least one thing super clear. Music has a tremendous, disproportionate amount of power in our lives, which is both fascinating and maybe even a little frightening. My point is this. The words, the melodies, and the messages of songs get buried deep in our souls and literally transform our thoughts, beliefs, and values. And that matters because when life gets hard and the pressure is on, we often default to the deepest core of who we are, what we think, what we believe, and what we value. Unfortunately, a lot of us have toxic thoughts connected to some really poor music choices over a lifetime buried deep inside our hearts and minds. As research has shown, once a song becomes a part of your musical memory, it's pretty permanent. However, it is possible that the toxicity can be negated. In the science of chemicals, it's the amount or dose of something that makes it dangerous. Even for something as extremely toxic as, say, snake venom, there's a dose below which there's no detectable toxic effect, even if that dose has to be really, really tiny. So, in the same way that toxic chemicals can be negated once they're reduced to a certain level, you may not be able to remove the toxic messages of some songs that are burned into your brain, but you can certainly dilute the bad musical memories with an overwhelming amount of good musical memories, effectively destroying their toxic impact in your life. I often say, change your mind, change your life. But an equally powerful and apt statement might be, change your music, change your life. 
I'm absolutely convinced that despite a library of toxic musical memories in my own brain, that a literal lifetime of healthy musical memories are what helped me stick the landing when life gets hard. And that's what I want for you. Change your music, change your life, stick the landing.